It's Tuesday, April the 6th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Yellen on minimum corporate taxes and the coronavirus rampant in India. First, the world in brief. Janet Yellen called for a minimum corporate tax rate among G20 countries in her first big speech as America's Treasury Secretary. President Joe Biden aims to increase corporate tax receipts to pay for a $2 trillion splurge in infrastructure spending. Ms. Yellen said that international cooperation was needed to prevent companies from exploiting a, quote, race to the bottom. An index of activity in America's services sector hit an all-time high in March. The Institute for Supply Management's gauge reached 63.7. Anything over 50 indicates an expansion. Firms are anticipating a strong recovery aided by unprecedented levels of fiscal stimulus. Stock markets hit new highs. India reported more than 100,000 new daily cases of COVID-19 for the first time. Most are in the state of Maharashtra, where a nighttime curfew has come into force. There will be a total lockdown at weekends. Meanwhile, Britain will begin to reopen next week. Boris Johnson praised his country's vaccination drive, which has helped slash rates of infection. Mozambique's army declared that the northern coastal town of Palma is now, quote, safe. A spokesman said a, quote, significant number of the jihadists who invaded it on March 24th had been killed in its campaign to regain control. Dozens of civilians have lost their lives and at least 11,000 have been displaced. Russia's President Vladimir Putin signed a constitutional amendment allowing him to run for two more presidential terms, an extension approved by voters in a referendum last year. He could remain in office until 2036. Other changes include an assertion of the supremacy of Russian law over international norms and a ban on gay marriage. America's Supreme Court ruled 6-2 in favor of Google, saying that it did not breach copyright when using some of Oracle's code in developing the Android operating system. Oracle had claimed as much as $9 billion in damages. A ruling the other way could have sent tremors through the tech industry, which thrives on imitation as well as innovation. And two senior executives at Credit Suisse are reported to be expecting the chop today, paying the price for a disastrous relationship with Archegos, an investment vehicle that imploded. Brian Chin, the head of CS's investment bank, and Lara Warner, its chief risk officer, are likely to take the fall for overseeing the bank's exposure to the fund, which cost it billions. And now, here's today's agenda. Brother v. Half-Brother, Family Intrigue in Jordan The Hashemite family that rules Jordan is usually disciplined in public. Thus, it was extraordinary when Prince Hamza, King Abdullah's half-brother, said he had been placed under house arrest for criticizing, quote, corruption, nepotism, and misrule. The government claimed he was plotting with unnamed, quote, foreign entities, but Jordan's secret police are legendary for their reach. A sophisticated scheme would be hard to hatch under their gaze. This looks more like a family feud, no less so after Prince Hamza offered a pledge of allegiance to His Majesty and the Constitution. 
Admirers think the prince enjoys a common touch lacking in his half-brother, which unnerves the royal court. When the king criticizes graft and corruption, he often sounds more like the spokesman of a good governance group than a monarch. To judge by the chatter on social media, some Jordanians appreciate Prince Hamza for giving voice to their frustrations. If confining the prince was meant to silence him, it has had the opposite effect. Unequal Measures, the IMF's Economic Forecasts Today, the International Monetary Fund publishes its latest World Economic Outlook. No one needs telling that the global economy took a massive knock last year. Figures from January show it was the biggest annual drop since the Second World War. This year, the IMF expects a rebound, with global growth even higher than the 5.5% it projected three months ago, partly because of the American government's forceful fiscal support. But in a speech on March 30th, the fund's managing director, Kristalina Georgieva, pointed out that compared with pre-crisis forecasts, income per person in 2022 will still be depressed by 11% in advanced economies and by 20% in emerging and developing countries, excluding China. An American recovery bringing higher interest rates that pull capital out of emerging and developing economies could spell trouble. Those poorer countries already have worse access to vaccines and less ability to bail out their economies. Looking for the reset button, the EU and Turkey The European Union's top officials, Charles Michel and Ursula von der Leyen, meet Turkey's President Recep Tayyip Erdogan in Ankara today. The best that can be said of EU-Turkish relations is that they were recently worse – Last year, Turkey almost came to blows with Greece, an EU member, over hydrocarbon drilling rights in the eastern Mediterranean. The two countries recently resumed talks on the issue, and the EU and Turkey are now looking for a partial reset. Both would like to renew a deal they signed in 2016 that keeps migrants and refugees on Turkey's side of the Aegean in exchange for financial aid. Desperate to send a positive signal to foreign investors, Turkey would also like to accelerate talks on a trade agreement. But as long as Mr Erdogan continues to dismantle what is left of Turkey's democracy, prosecutors recently moved to close down the country's third biggest political party, do not expect much progress. In need of friends, Libya and Italy Italy's Prime Minister Mario Draghi is due in Libya on Tuesday or Wednesday for talks with his interim Libyan counterpart, Abdul Hamid Dabeba. It will be Mr Draghi's first trip abroad since taking office in February, a sign of the importance he attaches to Italy's troubled former colony. It also follows a visit to Tripoli on Sunday by the European Council President Charles Michel, who pledged the EU's support for Mr Dabeba's administration and its mission. Libya's warring factions signed a ceasefire last year. Mr. Dabeba has the job of steering the country to elections in December. Italy has a big stake in Libya's oil industry. It also needs stability to limit the flow of migrants across the Mediterranean. France has long been a rival for influence in Libya. Mr. Draghi will be hoping his good relations with President Macron will encourage a more unified approach. Parched Plants, Taiwan's Drought and the Semiconductor Industry 
The elements have plagued semiconductor manufacturing this year, exacerbating an already existing shortage of the all-important silicon chips. A freak winter storm in February temporarily shut down Texas, America's biggest chip-making area. A fire in a Japanese factory last month singed supply from a semiconductor manufacturer popular with car makers. Now Taiwan is suffering a drought. Bad news for the water-intensive chip industry. To help maintain reserves, the government today cuts water supplies by 15% compared with normal supply to industrial parks in Taichung, whose most notable occupant is TSMC, which alone takes in over half of worldwide semiconductor manufacturing revenue. TSMC insists it has enough water stored to run uninterrupted for now, a relief for a global economy that has increasingly relied on the firm to supply the processors that power modern electronics. But the cushion is worryingly thin. Taiwan has said it has enough water reserves to keep its tech sector running smoothly until late May. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Merle Haggard, who was born on this day in 1937 and died on this day in 2016. Lay in the weeds and wait, and when you get your chance to say something, say something good. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.